Hello everyone and welcome to the Champions Cast here on ZeldaDungeon.net. My name is Andy Spateri, joined by Allison Aletha. Al, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, keeping busy. Um, unfortunately, it's like really hot and super smoky where I live, so yeah. that sucks. We're in a bad like air quality right now, which is just so lame and so sad. But other than that, I'm trekking along, doing great, back to normal life, and doing pretty good. How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of the same. We, we also have had, we've had smoke here for the better part of a month, actually, because there's like big wildfires going on in, in British Columbia right now. Yep. And they are, they're, they're probably impacting you. It's probably the same wildfire that's getting you as it is to me. Oh yeah. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's horrible. Like I wear contacts also. So the smoke just like lights up my eyes. It looks like I've just like smoked about 18 doobies in a row. It's like... <laughs> It's just, it's, it sucks. It give, and my eyes give me a headache, you know? Like, if I have a headache, it's usually because of my eyes. Yeah. Or like, when I get a migraine because of my eyes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I actually get um, migraines from smells, so the smoke has been bothering my headaches as well. Yeah, I, in, and, like, I think it was a week ago. It was, like, the smell was so pungent, you could, like, taste it. Yeah. Which was sickening. Uh, but, yeah, other than that, I'm, I'm doing all right. I actually... <laughs> So I took some NyQuil like half an hour ago because my <laughs> my dog and my cat combined. I don't they're they're shedding or whatever, and I was I was feeling a little bit sniffly and like you know you want to kind of quell it before it gets out of control and you're sneezing and you're snotty and you're gross or whatever. So I we didn't have any like DayQuil or anything like that. So I took some NyQuil. So I it's it's rushing over me. It's trying to make me drowsy, but I am gonna persevere <laughs> and power through this show. Love it. Um, we had we had an idea. For a feature this week, but I don't think that it's going to be ready quite in time. So perhaps we can tackle that once I get back and uh, talk a little Skyward Sword. But in the meantime, uh, we can still get some Skyward Sword talk in and just some random Zelda talk as well. We're going back to the well, one of our favorite topics to do because it requires zero prep work, is uh, going through the list of daily debates that are extremely talented writers over at Zelda Dungeon come up with every single day to engage our audience. And uh, we're basically just going to steal their work, steal their questions, and use it to engage our audience. So I always like doing these. They're light, they're breezy, they're fun. Al, are you ready? Let's get into it. All right. Well, let's kick it off with one from Sean. He asks, would you like to see Skyward Swords' shield upgrades and repairs in future Zelda games? Al, what do Ooh, you say? Yeah, you know what? I do, because I really like that feature of Skyward Sword. Um, I mean, obviously, when you get to the, I'm, I believe it's called the Goddess Shield or something of that nature, it's the best-looking one. It's very beautiful, and it's, like, just barely a tier below, you know, the Hylian Shield. But it kind of progresses as you go through the game, so I could see that in like <clears throat> like breath of the wild 2 maybe if they incorporate you know that breaking or updating or whatever uh with weapons and but with shields would be awesome because you could have a really dinky shield and say it's about to break you could probably repair it a little bit or upgrade it a little bit so it's more durable uh depending on where you are like if you're going to a volcano you probably want a metal one instead of a, a wooden one because it'll burn so i think that would be awesome yeah, I'm actually surprised that this feature was not already included in Breath of the Wild. Because, like, especially for Breath of the Wild, right? Like, you feel like it makes a lot of sense right. to have, like, the ability to 
to upgrade your items and, and your weaponry and particularly in breath of the wild because your weaponry breaks or it might not be uh you know suitable for whatever area of the map that you are in so i i think that this should definitely come back um i and i kind of like the like i also like the idea with the shields in particular like in skyward sword if you go through and you do like a very challenging uh endeavor which is the boss rush mode you get the shield that like will not break and i and i like that about the master sword in breath of the wild and i hope that there's the same kind of idea maybe in breath of the wild too but yeah I, I think that this is like it just adds like a little bit of um i don't know of, of fun i guess to the items just and like you can you can upgrade like your standard slingshot and it's now it's now something cooler and it uh it's a lot more fun to use and it gives you something extra to do as well to go around and explore the map not that we really needed anything extra to do in breath of the wild or i'm sure in breath of the wild too but i really enjoyed this feature actually so yeah I, I hope that it does come back and i hope that it applies to not only shields but like arrows or um swords armor etc etc i think that like upgrading it uh is is a cool idea and something that breath of the wild like kind of kind of did with the uh with the fairies with, but that was exclusively for your tunics and stuff like that so i think that idea should just be expanded yes yeah for sure yeah it's a great question sean um okay this one kind of jumped out to me because I don't know that the series is necessarily known for this, but uh, let's ask a question from Alex. Alex asks, which Zelda game features a story with the least amount of plot holes? Oh. Huh. So I, I, when I'm thinking about The Legend of Zelda and the stories that they tell, I feel like, honestly, most of the stories are like, pretty solid and pretty consistent but that's mostly because they're like fairly grounded and like not i i would say for with the exception of maybe your skyward swords maybe your breath of the wild maybe even your majora's mask ocarina of time whatever i would say with the exception of maybe a few the story isn't the main focus or main emphasis of your average zelda game um, and, and, and if I really wanted to argue, I would really say that, like, Skyward Sword and Breath of the Wild are really in kind of a category by themselves when it comes to the importance of story in a Zelda game. But that being said, I know a game I wouldn't say, and that's Breath of the Wild, because I still hate that plot hole. But, like, how did Calamity Ganon take over the Divine Beast and get this malice goop everywhere? And if he always had that ability, why didn't he just do it before, 10,000 years ago? But whatever, that's a rant for another day. I feel like, um, I don't know. I feel like there isn't really any Zelda games I can think of aside from Breath of the Wild that do have major plot holes. Maybe you can uh, enlighten me, Al. I I'm kind of in the same boat as you. Like I I'm trying to think about it, but I don't really get into those uh, like discussions or groups that are like, oh my gosh, this game is full of plot holes. Check them all out. So I don't know of too many. I mean, I could think of like Breath of the Wild with having Naruto and the Zora in the same era or whatever because technically the Rito are like evolutions of the Zora so I can see that kind of being a plot hole but uh and like some other things from Breath of the Wild Breath of the Wild is probably the most plot holy in the series but I don't yeah. I don't know like the least amount of plot holes um I, maybe maybe Ocarina of Time I feel like Ocarina of Time has a super super solid story like the only time it probably had plot holes was when the timeline was introduced and it made everybody like reconsider the story a little bit. But other than that, I feel like it's probably the most, I don't know, iconic 
solid uh, foundation of a story that you can get for the Zelda series. It's hard to think about that. I would have to do some more research and see what people have found. Well, I mean, like, you look at a game like The Legend of Zelda on the NES. Literally, the whole story is collect the Triforce, defeat Ganon, and save the princess. Like, that's... There ain't a lot of plot holes in that story. And you could say the same thing for A Link to the Past or for The Adventure of Link or for, like, Oracle of Seasons or maybe to a lesser extent Oracle of Ages. But, like, those games really don't concern themselves with, like, the story. There's a little bit of story at the beginning. There's a little bit of story at the end. And then... It's just go. Yeah. You know, you yeah, are sure. onto your adventure. So I, I don't think the plot holes are actually necessarily a big problem in the Zelda series, but maybe some of our listeners can uh, enlighten us to anything that we have missed. You know, I did see somebody saying, like, it was a plot hole in Ocarina of Time how Link was able to see Ganondorf monologuing after he was sealed away in the Temple of Time. I don't know. That, that one seems like a stretch to me. I feel like even in that game, you can... You know, you start the game literally from Navi's perspective, so it's not like you can only see what Link is seeing, but yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like plot holes are, are more or less fine. This is an interesting question from Heather. We've talked about it before, Al, so maybe we should just keep it brief. Uh, she asks, do you think that there is a reason that Skyward Sword got a remake ahead of the sequel to Breath of the Wild? Oh, no, I don't. <laughs> I, I know that people are like, ooh, coincidence. I think not with that, but it's literally the 10-year anniversary of the game, it fits with kind of like the timeline of remakes, you know, just in general 10 or so plus years, you're getting a remake of the game, which isn't guaranteed. So nobody's saying anything about any of the other games, but like it, it just made sense. And also the system made sense. Like it was the perfect opportune like time for them to make a remake of a game with, that's very heavy on the motion controls with the Switch because of the Joy-Cons. So I just feel like it was a good opportunity. They took it and they went with it. I don't think it has anything to do with Breath of the Wild 2, even though Breath of the Wild 2 has been shown to have involvement in the sky. I just think that it kind of conveniently fell there. I think the reason that Skyward Sword was announced when it was is because it was the 10-year anniversary, and that's as simple as that. Yeah. That's really all that there is to it. Um, you know, we saw it with Twilight Princess. We saw it with The Wind Waker. I mean, that they released on the 10-year anniversary. I mean, mark your calendars. 2027, we're getting Breath of the Wild 4K. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's going to happen. So, Ultra 4K. Um, <laughs> now, if you would have said to me, do you think that there is a reason that Age of Calamity is being released ahead of Breath of the Wild 2? I would have said yes. Yeah, because there's the uh, possibility. I, I feel like those would have tied in, but obviously yeah. they did not. Yeah. Or maybe they still could, but I don't know. We don't know. They yet. haven't yet. Yeah, that's your reason. Um, okay, here, I don't even know what to make about this one. This one's from Brittany. She asks, is the Zelda timeline better explained as a Hylian multiverse? <laughs> uh, okay, maybe. I mean, I kind of understand that because I I, I use the Marvel uh time travel theories for uh, or rules I guess I should say for this timeline like I feel like it totally makes sense if you're like uh you know listening to oh what is I don't remember her name but she's like the supreme ancient one or whatever when she's talking to Bruce uh, isn't her name just the ancient one there you go okay her name's the ancient one she's talking to she, Bruce. she probably has a name there's some Doctor Strange fans out there that are just like oh Spiteri you suck <laughs> 
Um, I feel like I never heard her called anything else, but either way, she's talking to Bruce and she's showing him the timeline, you know, and she says if you change one thing, it splits off, and now there's just another universe or timeline. So I feel like that makes sense for the Zelda timeline because really you're, you're going down the middle and then you hit Ocarina of Time and three different events happen. So then it c creates like these three different um, like timeline slash universes that are all happening at the same time. That's how I uh, view them and that's how I view them since Endgame came out. So it makes a lot of sense to me <coughs> that they would be like a multiverse or different universes or uh, different timelines, same kind of, I feel like that's all like the same, saying the same thing, so I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so first of all, her name is the Ancient One. Nice. I just, I just Googled and there's nothing, nice. uh, she, she don't have a name, so she's just the Ancient One. Uh, second of all, I, like, who cares? I, I don't care. <laughs> you know, I just, I, I truly don't. I, I think the timeline is dumb. Um, I think that, uh, um, multiverses exist for the sole purpose of crossing over with each other you know what I, like I, I feel like that's the entire reason that you have a multiverse you've seen it in dc comics seen it in marvel comics i mean into the spider-verse is like a amazing example of that and it can be cool but i feel like zelda will obviously never cross over and and meet um breath of the wild is probably the closest thing that we'll ever get to that so i don't know i i just feel like yeah maybe it is Maybe it ain't. I don't really care. Uh, so that that's that's kind of my Debbie Downer opinion on that. But like, you know, I mean, it, it, it's a neat idea. It, it's certainly better than the timeline shenanigans that branched off in the downfall timeline. You want to talk about a plot hole? That entire timeline is a, is a plot <laughs> hole right there. But what if? Yeah, I, I feel like that idea is kind of cool. I just had a thought because of recent, uh, you know, events in media, and I would try. I will try not to be too spoiler spoilery having a hard time talking today but um you know what if just uh premiered this last week you know and it's kind yes. of it's and we've talked about what if um zelda dungeon before but you know it's kind of like the watcher is like what if this happened therefore the events would be totally different so maybe it's more like that you know what if link died during the battle of ganondorf well then you have the downfall timeline could be like that yeah yeah i i am mad at that i feel like that's a better explanation than what we got yeah um let's move on let's talk about another daily debate from heather uh she asks was demise's difficulty i'm also having trouble talking <laughs> was demise's difficulty too high in comparison to other boss fights in skyward sword uh, i don't think so no i don't i you know i don't think that i'm a very good zelda player but like i feel like i didn't really struggle with any of the bosses necessarily in uh in this game now, to put into context, when I went to Phase Demise, I had, like, Max Hearts, of course, and I had the Hylian Shield, which never broke, and, uh, you know, obviously the Master Sword at this point has unlocked its true potential, and and obviously I already knew how to fight Demise, um, particularly the second half. I, I think that the second half is, is can be a little bit challenging for new players that don't know that you need to raise your sword, wait for the lightning to hit it, and then Skyward Strike Demise. That being said, I just, I didn't really have that hard of a time with him. Like, he hits like a truck, no doubt. <laughs> but I feel like, you know, especially after battling Girahim three times, like, you're getting pretty good with your sword movements and your patience and, and just knowing kind of when and where to strike. So for me, Demise wasn't, uh, wasn't that bad at all. I would actually say that 
perhaps the most difficult boss battle in the game is the first Gearheim fight because it's so, like, you're just not used to fighting a boss like that. Like, you're used to kind of doing the pattern and then hitting the eyeball three times and then repeating or, or whatever. And, like, Gearheim is a very different kind of boss that way. So I, I don't think that I would classify Demise as uh, any any harder than any of the other bosses in the game. Yeah, I... um. I, I kind of wish I was asked this question back when I first played and fought against Demise because it's so hard to say now because I, like, I have the pattern and the skills that I use now to defeat him, and I feel like it's pretty easy, uh, you know, comparatively to other final bosses that we have faced in the Zelda series. Like, I, I could see Phase 1 being a little bit harder than Phase 2, um, where he's just blocking your sword movements all the time, and if you don't know exactly where to hit him, then... You're kind of just, like, having an actual sword fight with him for a long time. Um, but compared to other bosses in the in the game itself, you know, I don't know. I feel like I feel like he's pretty on par because if if you think of it this way, you're like you progress as the game goes and the game purposefully like makes the bosses progress with you or at least you match them a little bit better like if you were to go fight Kalactus at the beginning of the game there's no way you'd win or if you were to fight demise at the beginning of the game there's no way you'd win but you have all these skills and all this knowledge now about how this game works combat wise that you're like it's it's not too difficult to fight demise i feel so i feel like that is uh, is correct yeah so by that point, you have the tools, plus you can get the Guardian Potion, which does half damage. Uh, you know, you could have fairies, you could have a really, you know, your unbreakable shield, which is super helpful because he punches and packs quite a wallop. And um, that's usually what I do is I block him and then, and then attack him. Um, so yeah, you have all the tools by then, so it's not too bad compared to the other bosses. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that. I I don't know. Like I I don't think demise really was was any harder than a lot of the other bosses. I wouldn't. I was about to say I don't think he's that much harder compared to even some of the enemies in the game. But like, it's just all about your timing and the way that you swing your sword in the direction. So if you're not good at that, then yes, he's probably certainly very hard. Yeah. But I don't know. I was pretty good at that. Um, all right, let's move on to a daily debate from Shaquille. She asks. Which Zelda game do you wish you could play for the first time again? I think that we've answered this before, but we'll answer it again. I would say it's a toss-up for me between three games, Breath of the Wild, just because of the... You know what? Actually, maybe I'll take Breath of the Wild out, because I feel like you can replay and play and play Breath of the Wild so many times. Like There's still so much interesting stuff and uh, secrets to uncover and new horizons to, to see. So maybe Breath of the Wild wouldn't be the one I would pick. I, I think that I might either pick Skyward Sword just for some of the story moments or Ocarina of Time just for like... And maybe I'd take Ocarina of Time out because I feel like when I first played Ocarina of Time and experienced that, the the age that I was at the time, which is like 10 years old, was very much like an influence on how majestic I thought that game was. So if I could go back and be 10 years old again and play Ocarina of Time for the first time, it would probably be that. But if not, it would be Skyward Sword. What say you? Um, I feel like, uh, I feel like this is too easy an answer, but I would say Breath of the Wild because I played Breath of the Wild so many times. And as you said, like you can do so many new things, but let me, I've played Breath of the Wild probably more than a lot of people at Zelda Dungeon combined because I speed run that game and I do a lot of categories and I play a lot of bingo and I, I'm like constantly in that game. So I, I wish I could play it for the first time and like 
100% it again for the very first time because it was just every every time you turned around it was just amazing 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 there's really cool enemies that you could fight and the different like elements that you had to battle as well not just you know enemies because you had to think oh I need to be warmed up to go up this mountain in the Hebrew region you know what I mean like I just it it was really really cool to play for the very first time and I, and the excitement too of being hyped up for like six seven years for this game and then you know you finally get there and you're playing it for the first time and going to your first stable and stuff and it was just like it, it was a really really amazing feeling so I I kind of wish I could like erase all that and play it all again yeah fair enough I Breath of the Wild was the one that like immediately in first like popped to my mind but then uh you know I I feel like maybe some of the other games would be better but man Breath of the Wild just like such a such an amazing feeling when that game finally did come out it felt surreal it felt like it was one of those things that was never actually yeah <laughs> going to happen <laughs> um let's move on this is a question from Alexis and this is obviously centered around the silent realms but uh, her question is what is the most stressful moment in the <laughs> Zelda series and so Alexis is using the silent realms of Skyward Sword as a uh, as an example of a stressful Zelda moment I actually, I think those are a blast to be honest, a stressful moment. Let's see. Ooh. Um, I would say that uh, I was like super stressed out when I was playing Oracle of Ages and I had the, the seed shooter and I was going through the minecart level where like you have to hit all the targets <laughs> with, with the shooter. Yeah. And I had like, I was just, I was so bad. I was so bad at it. I got through the first room, hit all the targets and I was like, Oh my god, oh my god, I have to, have to, have to hit all of the other targets. And it only lasted, this feeling only lasted for like a couple seconds. But I was so stressed going into that room that uh, that is the one that's popping to mind right away. Um, I, I don't know, I, I feel like I haven't really been, you know what, maybe the, uh, maybe going into the Forgotten Temple in Breath of the Wild with like a million guardians on oh, you yeah. is kind of stressful, but... I don't know. What, what about you, Al? I feel like I don't have anything that really jumps out of the page to me. Um, My first thought was, uh, like, I can understand the Silent Realm, especially before I started speedrunning the game. I feel like that's kind of desensitized me to it. But yeah, it was like, your heart is pumping and you're being chased by these really scary guardians and the music starts thumping the closer they get to you. So I could totally understand that feeling. But I feel like the most stressed I've ever been is... <laughs> This is so dumb. But with wall masters and floor masters, are they're like my worst enemy. Just my absolute worst. Uh, Wind Waker floor masters are by far the most menacing, stupid <laughs> like enemy in the entire series. But I also have a really hard time with like a link to the past uh, wall masters. They they like it never fails for them to get me because okay. their hitbox is so big. Like you would think, oh, I'm not in the way. No, they'll catch you. And so I have a hard time with that. And if they ever bring those back in the Breath of the Wild 2, as much as I would love it, because I would really love to see a lot of enemies brought back in Breath of the Wild 2, I'd probably also absolutely hate it because <laughs> they'd probably be a menace to me. So I feel like anytime I'm in a dungeon or whatever and I know there's going to be floor masters or wall masters, I am just like my shoulders are up to my ears because I'm trying not to get caught. Right. Yeah, I, I thought of another one. Okay. I thought of another one. Um, the N64 version of Majora's Mask at the very end of the couple's mask quest when you and Cafe oh, are in that little hideout yeah. and you have to switch in between. And like, if you mess up the block puzzle, it's like, 
oh god i gotta do this whole thing over from like three days ago and i think by this point there's only like there's only like a like six hours left before the world ends so it's it's very stressful actually so that maybe that's my answer right there that's actually a good one because they fix the time mechanic in the 3d version so you can kind of if you fail you can do a lot of time picking to get through it rather quickly whereas in the n64 you have to wait like a lot so i could totally understand that that's a good one um all right let's move on and here's another one from shakel (laughs) here we go what zelda game is the most tedious allison (laughs) you go ahead (laughs) uh tedious uh tedious this okay i feel like i don't feel this way but i feel like a lot of other people feel this way would be phantom hourglass and uh spirit tracks just because of how often you have to go back and repeat floors in the temple of the ocean king so i mean i like i said i don't feel that way i know at least with phantom hourglass i know how to do it efficiently and quickly so it's fine and i actually enjoy it but i feel like that's the biggest complaint for people with those games uh you know i was I was going to give you the opportunity to say another game because I didn't want to poo-poo all over Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks for that matter. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, come on. That's a... Ugh. The, the Temple of the Ocean King, part one, two, three, four, five, and six. That's kind of a slog. But just so that I have a different answer and saying the most tedious, um, I I would be tempted to say the GameCube version of The Wind Waker. Oh, okay. I really would. Okay. Because because of the amount of time that you have to spend just like sailing and sailing and then if you want to change direction, you got to stop, you got to play, you got to wait, you, the wind has got to gust. Um, if you, God forbid, if you overshoot your destination, you got to stop, play, gust, back in the direction that you came <laughs> from. And then like going and getting all of the, the Triforce pieces was uh, pretty, pretty awful. Um, I, I just like... I feel like there is like way too much sailing in the Wind Waker and HD improved that for sure with the Swift Sail. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like that one to me sticks out, especially because you, you don't meet, or at least I didn't meet, uh, what's the warp god's name? Cyclos or whatever? Yeah, Cyclos. So I didn't meet Cyclos until I was like, I think gearing up for, I think I think it was after Tower of the Gods. Yeah, that's when you're so supposed like, it, it was to a while. Him. That's when you're supposed um, to meet him. Okay, well, maybe maybe it was even later then, because I know, it, it like, it, it just took me a long time, because I was like, why can I not warp here? This is ridiculous, and I finally went out of my way to find him, yeah. so that one sticks out to me, and I mean, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention those fine tears of light from Twilight Princess yep. as well. That is just, ugh. Sometimes I would argue ugh. Imprisoned as well. Prison's pretty tedious. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Especially yeah. because, I th- and I think that's fair. There's not a chance. There's a chance that it's not just the three times if you're doing the boss rush. So, well, if you're if you're doing the boss rush, you're doing all three. Yeah. Like in that same sitting. So, yeah, the imprisoned. I feel like is is definitely one. To, at least for for me, like I feel like those fights are short enough where they're not super inoffensive. And and like I actually feel like um, I was telling our a mutual friend this earlier that like in a vacuum all of the imprisoned fights themselves are like okay it's just that you have to do it three times and it's just that the second one is pretty much exactly the same as like the first and, and it's just kind of like not as fun as either the first or the third so but I, I feel like in and of itself those ones are okay but yeah i, I think that the imprisoned you could definitely make a case for being pretty 
pretty tedious for sure. Yep. All right. Let's go on to a daily debate from Joseph. We've been talking about this topic for what feels like uh, at least uh, a solid month since Skyward Sword came out. So <laughs> let's just have it. Which Zelda game has the best opening? So oh, we were debating yeah. about the opening of, you know, kind of particularly Twilight Princess versus Skyward Sword and which one was less enjoyable. Let's go over to the ones that are most enjoyable, though. I think that the the two that pop off in my mind immediately are Majora's Mask has the fantastic opening where, you know, you meet Skull Kid, you meet the Happy Mask Salesman, you're transformed into a Deku, you do the whole routine, you get to the top of the clock tower, you have that awesome showdown with Skull Kid, and then you get the Ocarina and you go back in time. I think that intro was awesome. Um, and then Ocarina of Time has a fantastic intro as well, where you like, you meet Link, you meet Navi, you kind of get, you know, context again, you, you kind of get acquainted to the 3D controls of Zelda, and then you go in and you do what's arguably the best intro dungeon in the entire series into the Great Deku Tree. So those ones would be top of the list for me. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, uh, I might be a broken record today, but I feel like Breath of the Wild has an, like a really amazing like intro to the game because they give you this whole region, and it's not that big, but when you first play the game, it feels very massive. And they give it's base. I call it tutorial plateau. It's basically a giant tutorial of how to tackle the rest of the world in Breath of the Wild. You know, they have the four shrines that give you the uh, runes, and it shows you exactly how you're going to use the runes. It has different enemies everywhere, um, camps, uh, different ways to like uh, you know think about attacking those camps. Like they very. Nintendo very purposefully set up a lot of stuff. Like, there's a specific camp that you could just light the grass on fire and it kills all the booklets. So, there, the, it just shows how creative that you can be for the rest of the game. So, I feel like it has the best intro. And, I mean, it is kind of long if you're first playing out. I'm pretty sure I was on that plateau for, like, two hours. So, I mean, it is a little bit long, but I, I feel like it's enjoyable. Like, it doesn't feel like a chore unless you're playing it for the millionth time. You know what I mean? Actually, I uh, I agree. I, I was thinking that Breath of the Wild would be like up there on the upper half of my list of Zelda games that I really love the intro to. It, it is a little bit long, and that's why I kind of moved away to um, Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time. But yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Like getting the Temple of Time and finally getting the Paraglider and like the worst kept spoiler in the world, which was the old man was the, the King of Hyrule. <laughs> um, I thought that that was all really fun, actually. Maybe... I'll throw another one out there. Um, people are going to hate this, but I feel like the opening of Minish Cap is really fun too. With like, you you can go and you you go to the, the Pakori Festival and you see Vadi attack Zelda and like it's a very cool, very unique kind of introduction. You, then you go and meet the Minish. You learn how to shrink. You meet Ezlo. You go in and do Deepwood Shrine. Uh, maybe it's just because I love the Minish Cap, but I, I feel like that intro has always been a favorite of mine as well. Just because you kind of get into the the thick of the action like pretty quickly um so yeah i think that that one would be good you know i i would uh i would even say that i think the wind waker has a a nice intro yeah it's uh it's like that, and, but really before you get sailing like you're you're doing a lot of stuff you're exploring the woods at the top of outset your sister gets kidnapped you meet the pirates you go to forsaken fortress i don't know if you count forsaken fortress as part of the intro or not maybe you wouldn't but um, I, I think that the first little bit there is, is pretty nice. I wouldn't rate it above any of the ones that right. we've talked about already, but 
yeah, I think that it's it's nice. I'd love to see. Uh, I don't know how they could do this well because they would have to do it with good enough timing. Um, but I'd love to see like an extended like intro where the title doesn't come at the beginning of the game, but after you sp- like you finish the intro, kind of like a Hobbit type of deal where they tell a bit of the story and then boom, there's the title after like five minutes or something. I think that would be really cool right. because you'd be like running around exploring something you figure out what you're supposed to do and you say like land on the land on the normal ground after the plateau and then boom there's the title because i don't know some it would have to be well done so that it doesn't feel like it's too long into the game but i think that would be kind of cool god the, the name of this game is completely escaping me but there is a game that does exactly that Ooh. but like the uh the intro took like forever like it took a couple hours until you finally yeah, got to like where would, the title actually flashed. that would be my worry is that it would take the intro would take too long it would have to be masterfully timed i wish i could remember what game this was this is gonna bug me but oh well <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to it amari we got another one from shakel is skyward sword the best story of the zelda series I feel like pretty easily it's the best story of the Zelda series, actually. What say you? Yeah, I believe it is. I think we were talking about this in the channel last week a little bit in the Discord um, about which story is the best from the series. But I feel like most people think that it is because it's compared to a lot of the other uh, Zelda titles, except maybe maybe Twilight Princess is up there, too. It's just it's very story driven, like it's linear and all that kind of stuff. I get that. But the there's so much detail in the lore and the animation for the cutscenes in a lot of it so i feel like it definitely has the better of the uh stories twilight princess is pretty close because it is very story driven also but i feel like there's a lot of information that we're missing we're kind of like we're kind of like this weird interloper in this twilight war and we are kind of just getting a handful of the the issues that the twilight are going through you know what I mean? Versus Skyward Sword is pretty solely, like, you are the adventure. So, I don't know. I, I feel like Skyward Sword's better. I feel, Twilight Princess wouldn't even be in the conversation for me, <laughs> if I'm being honest. You, mean, you know what would be in the conversation <clears throat> is uh, Age of Calamity, actually. But, like, again, in a vacuum. Like, in, in, in its own bubble that doesn't exist with anything else. I mean, yeah, but... I. Andy, just because Twilight Princess is ugly, you really don't like the story of Twilight Princess either? no I'm, I'm not really in love with it hmm. uh and, and we kind of we talked about this in the chat but like i feel like um if you were if you really want to break it down i think that Ilya is a really bad character and like is just like a perfect example of the kind of shoddy storytelling in twilight princess you can look at uh Saria as kind of a, an example of how to do that kind of character properly but i think that they just like completely missed the mark with Ilya. I think that they really dropped the ball with um, Zant and in getting from him to Ganondorf, which I think was a good idea, but like the way that they did that, I didn't really like. I, I thought it was kind of clumsy. Um, the the Zelda vanishing and sacrificing herself and then reappearing at the end, I thought maybe that maybe there's a plot hole actually because I'm not really sure how she came back. I don't really think it matters, but if you really want to get granular, you can look at that. Um, I, I don't really care for Midna at all, which maybe that's not directly a story issue, but like to me, her her character arc seemed just a little bit unbelievable to me based on her actions thus far. I, I mean, I don't want to get down this whole. I think that the scene with like 
the the interloper cutscene was ridiculous and like just a <laughs> I think that's one of the most ridiculous scenes in Zelda. Um, and we've talked about this ad nauseum in the Champions Cast Discord, so I don't really want to get down there. But yeah, I'm not. I, I got yeah, I'm not. I got to be honest. I'm not really high on the story of Twilight Princess. I think that Wind Waker has a good story. Wind Waker. I think does. that's a nice good story. Yeah, that has a good story. Um, I, yeah, Age of Calamity. I think Breath of the Wild had. Well, I think Breath of the Wild has great characters. I don't think it has a great story. This it's, um, it's like it's hard to say because where, where Skyward Sword story it feels like it flows together really where uh, really well. Sorry, uh, for me with with Age of Calamity too, I feel this. But uh, Breath of the Wild it does have a story and it does have a really good one. The only problem is they only show us these little dits of it, you know throughout there's like what 10 memories or something that you only get that much you know what i mean i feel like there is a really good story there and i was super excited for age of calamity because i thought we were going to get it but then we didn't we got some alternate version of it and while it was still good it still only felt like you were getting little pieces of the story as a whole so i would never i would never say that breath of the wild doesn't have a story it just they didn't they didn't give us enough yeah, well, I mean, if you if you look at the core story of Breath of the Wild, it is basically go rescue Zelda from Calamity Ganon. You you don't really understand what Calamity Ganon is or what it what it's doing, um, other than the fact that it's just this ancient evil that is all consuming, which which is probably good enough. But yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of with you. I think that the Breath of the Wild story concept is fine, and the characters are great. But as an actual like start to finish narrative, I wouldn't rank it up there. Right. Um, the the only other game that I might give a shout out to in terms of story, I think Ocarina of Time is a great solid story, but I wouldn't say it's like a fairly unspectacular story, I think. Um, and I would say that Majora's Mask tells a really good story, but again, that's kind of different too. Cause that's like Majora's Mask tells, um, like a collection of smaller stories that make up the larger whole. Because again, the core story of, of Majora's Mask is fairly simple, yeah. but I, yeah, that one, that one would be up there for me. And you know what? I, I love the story of Link's Awakening, too, even though it's really simple. Yeah, so you've got your novels in the Zelda series, like Skyward Sword, and and uh, while Andy disagrees, Twilight Princess, but then you got Majora's Mask, which is a collection. I don't disagree. It's just a bad novel. <laughs> it's a bad novel. Okay, fair enough. Um, and then Majora's Mask is like a collection of novellas that just fit right in, and I like that. Yeah, yeah, I could be down with that. Yeah. Uh, I like me a, a good novella. Um, all right, let's... Uh... Let's keep it going here. Uh, Joseph is back with another. Which dungeon boss had the best location? So I have one off the top of my head, and then I'll turn it over to you while I think of some others. But technically, not a dungeon boss, but man, how incredible was fighting Dark Link in the Water Temple? Like, yeah, the, the light cool. room, and oh, that is, that's good stuff right there. I like that. Uh, and it's all mirage and... Really, it really yeah. feels like you're hallucinating because your shadow comes to life, and then and then when you defeat him, the room, it's like like somebody created that room just to mess with you psychologically. I think that's actually really cool and really deep. Um, I like that. This is this is hard because I like the best location. Um, I really like Bongo Bongo. I've always had really, for some reason, it's just I get these really cool goosebumps when I'm fighting Bongo because you fall into this really big pit and you land on a drum in this like empty room in the darkness and i i feel like that's pretty cool um i also really like this is hard (laughs) uh i feel like twin rova has a good location like area um 
it's kind of like I said, this is hard because they're all just in rooms. So I'm trying to think of some that aren't really. I guess Majora's Mask fight is pretty cool and like psychedelic looking. Yeah, Majora's Mask is awesome. That's a that's a cool fight. Um, yeah, it it is a little bit tough to kind of you know pinpoint exactly where some of these good fights are. I I had a couple that I was thinking of, and while I would say that it's just a giant platform <clears throat> floating in the sky. Uh, I always really love the setting for Monk Maz Kashia. Oh, yeah. I think that that's one of the best boss fights in the series. I've said that before. But, like, it's it's just so cool because, like, um, you're just, like, you're just, like, on this giant platform and, like, the platform moves and is part of the fight itself. Uh, so I, I think that that one is, is pretty cool. It's just, like, got a really wicked atmosphere. You said Majora. I completely agree with that. And, um... I can't think of the name of this boss, but the one from Twilight Princess where you are like flying around in the sky with your dual uh, with your dual like claw shots. Uh, yeah, I think that's a great fight. I think that's a really good fight. I would say Tentalus is cool too. Like the, on the ship with the sand ship and like it's got tentacles and the sea everywhere. I, I thought that that's a good fight. So Yeah, something yeah. that has like uh, just a good atmosphere. Argarok, that's right. I just Googled it. Um, Argarok, yeah. <laughs> Uh, a good atmosphere, so like the Argarok fight has a like a really interesting am- atmosphere. It's thundering and storming all around you, which is cool. Um, Ganon, like usually the Ganondorf and Ganon fights are super cool. Demise fight, the atmospheres are just really dramatic at that point, and just uh, the Ganondorf fight in in that room with the stained glass windows that shatter oh, at the yeah, end. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah that's like, ooh, that's intense. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Um, <laughs> so, like, usually those are, like, a lot more overdone than a lot of the bosses in the series, so it's kind of unfair. They have an unfair advantage, but still, they're, they're very good from a story perspective, an immersive perspective, so, yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on. Uh, what were your wishes for Zelda's 35th anniversary? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> this is a loaded question, is it not? Yeah, it's pretty loaded. I I think if it if I put my wishes very simply, it just would have been to port the Wind Waker and Twilight Princess to the Switch. And I feel that more now, actually, after the marathon, because we were talking about it. And those games are going up in price a little bit, apparently. Um, like the disc versions of those games. I can't find my Twilight Princess HD, and it made me nervous because I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to buy that somewhere. <laughs> but I feel like my Wii U is starting to crap out and I don't know where I'm going to get one. And so I would really, really like to have those games ported to the Switch so I at least have them when I want to play them, you know? Right. I, you know, I would say... Um, so, I mean, first of all, my expectations for a 35th anniversary are, like, pretty, pretty null because I feel like 35 isn't really that big of a deal. But... Nintendo made it a big deal last year because of Mario. Right. And we, we kind of talked about this before. So you were expecting them to do something similar for Zelda. I would say that if you look at it, like we got Skyward Sword HD and we've got this Zelda Game & Watch thing coming out for Zelda's 35th. So that's kind of cool. And like that's, you know, that's that's worthy of celebration right there. I, um, I just, I never thought that they were going to release the dual pack of Twilight Princess and Wind Waker on Switch. I really don't. I think that if they're going to release them, they're going to be individual and you're going to be paying full price for them. And that's just the way that the world works. Um, I, I really think that that's the case. So I wasn't incredibly 
disappointed by that because I didn't really want to buy Wind Waker and Twilight Princess again. It would have been cool to see just like some other stuff or like maybe some accessibility to older Zelda games. And I know that we've got Adventure of Link and Link's Awakening and Legend of Zelda NES coming up on the Game & Watch thing. But like, man, let's let's get people, let's give them the, the ability to play Minish Cap or like Four Swords or let's have some cool Zelda amiibo that isn't Link, for God's sake. I, I don't know. That's <laughs> that's kind of what I would have liked for the 35th anniversary. Um, I feel like they didn't really need to do a lot. And if they just do Skyward Sword and the Game & Watch, which is what it looks like it's going to be, I feel like actually that's that's fine with me. Like, I'm not really disappointed by that. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like uh, maybe we got our expectations a little bit out of, uh, out, of out of check or out of hand. <laughs> We were all yeah. we were all hoping for a lot, just like like you said, they set an expectation, but really I don't think they meant to. I just think that, like you were saying, they needed to do something for 2020 because of COVID and all that kind of stuff. They were having a really low year, so they needed to up the ante, and and we expected because of that, you know, to have the ante up for Zelda too. But that's not the case, and that's fine. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right, let's go on to a question from Ryan here. Ryan asks, should Nintendo release more Zelda demos? I say no. I, I actually don't think that they should. Well, let me let me clarify that. If we're talking like a mainline Zelda game, no. I don't think that they should because there's no reason to. I, for me, the main reason to release a demo, there are two reasons. Either it's to get feedback from players about what needs to be fixed or to kind of introduce people to a new game type that they may be unsure of. Um, so for example, I feel like Cadence of Hyrule and Hyrule Warriors, those games should definitely have demos because your average Zelda fan probably isn't into the Warriors games or certainly probably isn't into Crypt of the Necro Dancer, but that gives them an opportunity to sample it. And then if they like it enough and they just, you know, they're a big Zelda fan, they could say like, you know what? I'm going to throw some dollars down and I'm going to buy this. But I, I feel like with Nintendo, we don't really need to worry about them releasing a demo in the sense of like, okay, fans, we need to uh, we need to get your feedback about what's wrong with Breath of the Wild 2 so we can fix all the bugs and stuff like that. That's just not the way that they work. And I feel like they're so good at making Zelda games that they don't need to do that. Everybody wants to play Breath of the Wild 2 already. So I feel like... Uh, I feel like it's it's kind of unnecessary to to have demos, and then there's always the the kerfuffle of like if you do something in a demo, does it carry over to your actual game? And like a demo is only digital, so if you buy physical, does it carry over? And blah 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 blah. So I, I just feel like let the anticipation build. When the game comes out, that's the day. Um. Yeah, I can get with that. I I'm trying to think of like I totally understand what you're saying, and I feel like. Nintendo's pretty, like, um, secretive about, you know, how they hold on to their information until they're ready to give it. And I feel like if they're going to do a demo, it has to be after they've given so much information of the story or shown certain things of the story. Because I was thinking, I was thinking that I remember really liking the, um, Wind Waker 20-minute demo from the, uh, Zelda Collector's Edition for the GameCube. But then I was just looking it up, and it came out after the fact, uh, like a year after uh, Wind Waker was already out. So they were just giving the demos so that you would feel compelled, like if you enjoyed it, 
to buy Wind Waker for the GameCube as well. So I kind of like that. Um, I kind of like that aspect. So if the game's already out, I know there's a lot of people who were considering getting Skyward Sword but weren't really sure. They were on the fence about it. If the game was already out and they released like a demo that you can kind of walk around Skyloft or whatever so that you can get a feel for the game and decide if you want to spend $60 on it, I think that's a cool idea where they did that with Wind Waker. So I can see that. But as far as like beforehand, the demo for, say, Age of Calamity was all right. You got to do like a level and so therefore you got to decide if you liked the game or not and I thought that was fine. But it was also kind of weird because it came out like two months ahead of time and was odd in Nintendo fashion. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that that, for those types of games, I think that you do want to have a demo mm-hmm. because your average Zelda fan probably isn't into hack and slash kind of Age of Calamity business. Right. So I, I think that it's good for that. But um, for for like a base main Zelda game, no, I don't, I don't think you need to. Fair enough. I think that just kind of takes away. Um, all right, let's keep on going here. Heather has another question. Is Skyward Sword the most divisive Zelda game? I think that this is unfortunately destined to go down as one of the most divisive games in the series. We were hoping that, and I think to an extent it has kind of quelled some of the naysayers with HD and the and the motion controls and button controls and stuff like that. But like even with the release of HD, there was still a lot of like, outside noise around the release like specifically with the amiibo and the functionality being locked uh to the amiibo i feel like that was a bad look lots of people were complaining about the price which i don't know what you're complaining about the price for people like zelda in mario are literally nintendo's highest valuable franchises like do you really think they're going to ship them for half price but there was a lot of hoopla about that there was a lot of people saying they didn't do enough of this and enough of that. So I, I think that there's just always going to be this chatter around Skyward Sword. I think that its positioning as the last traditional Zelda game before the formula changed is a reason for that as well. I, I think it's just, it's destined to be that divisive Zelda game. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but I I feel like... I feel like as the as maybe this year progresses into a couple more years with the release of HD cuz I feel like up until this point all I the majority like 80% of people that I talk about Skyward Sword with haven't played it won't play it because they hate the motion controls hate 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 them but I feel like it's definitely gotten a little bit better uh and that Skyward Sword has had a good uh second chance and I feel like if you talk about Skyward Sword five years from now, it's going to it's gonna be different. Like, the, the edges are going to be smooth. So, it while it still will have some complaints, like those things that came out from marketing, you know, the marketing wasn't their best idea, that's, a, that's different from just, you know, the actual game being bad or not wanting to play the game because of the motion controls or hating the sky or whatever, what have you, you know what I mean? I feel like a lot of people have now given this game a chance or played it for the very first time um, because they have more access to it, and therefore it's going to be less divisive, I believe. I hope so. I hope so, too. I hope so. Um, All right, one more from Joseph here. Do you think the Gerudo would side with a reborn Ganondorf in Breath of the Wild 2? Hell nah! (laughs) No way. Those guys are going to fight to take Ganondorf down. I think we might have answered this one back uh, a couple episodes ago, but, like, I'm pretty sure in the cutscene with uh, Urbosa where she's like, 
you just freed Naboris, and she's staring down the castle, and she's like, it's like legend that Ganondorf came from the Gerudo in the past. And she's like, she's like, ooh, that just really sours my mouth. Like, I do not like that at all. So I have a feeling, like, right. if their leader is is thinking that way and, like, absolutely despises that idea, the rest of them are going to feel that way, too. Like, I'm pretty sure nobody from the Gerudo at this point in the timeline or what have you, don't they don't like Ganondorf at all and would not be happy with him, you know, coming back in their ranks. <laughs> yeah, no way, Jose... Um, all right, well, let's keep it going here, uh, and let's get to one from Shkel. Which Link has the best character arc? And that's kind of a funny question, because, like, usually Link is, is somewhat of an avatar, and it's not like he delivers monologues or speeches or really does a whole lot of uh, talking in his games, but I think that you can still definitely look at some of the Links from the series and, and see a character arc. Um, I would say if it... Uh, if I'm picking just one, I might say that it's the one from Ocarina of Time because you ha you just have this like kid who doesn't think he's anything special. He starts off and, and actually thinks the, the complete opposite, that he doesn't have a fairy and that something's wrong with him and then finds out that he's this destined hero and kind of takes everything in stride and you see those heartbreaking moments where like he literally has to leave his childhood and the life he wants behind when he leaves Saria in the woods. Like that's that's such a great scene. Um, and then kind of rises to the challenge to become that hero, but makes mistakes along the way too. And, and unknowingly allows Ganondorf to, uh, to enter the sacred realm. So I, I think, I think that that one is, um, one that comes to mind for me, maybe, uh, maybe Breath of the Wild too. Um, I was trying to think of it cause it is a little difficult to think of it from your own perspective because like you said, Link is kind of your avatar into these worlds, but I was trying to think of it from a perspective of other characters and, um, and how they react to Link. And obviously this is better in the more story driven, uh, games because it's harder to, well, it's easier to see how other, uh, characters react to Link. So I feel like maybe maybe uh wind waker link has a lot of um like growth and it it's it's hard to see on your own but i think you see it from the king of red lions because the king of red lions is basically just using this kid to help his own means at the beginning he he really doesn't have that much thought about who link is or what what he could possibly be and it's not until he Link actually gets the Triforce on his hand that the King of Red Lines is like, oh, crap, you literally are the hero. Like, I did not see that coming. You know, <laughs> like, Link kind of earns his way into becoming the hero that the King of Red Lines knows from the past. So I feel like that shows a lot of growth as of Link as a, you know, as a kid who's just trying to save his sister, but then he winds up, like, trying to save the world. So I feel like he has a lot of character growth. Um, you could say that Twilight Princess has a little bit of character growth too and how it's kind of the same thing. He wants to save the kids from his village but kind of gets yanked into this bigger picture and and uh, even though Minna's kind of an, a bee to him the whole like beginning first half of the game, uh, he like he does his best and she grows on him and she sees how much he's he's uh, grown as well. So I feel like it's better to see it from other uh, characters' perspective. For sure. Fair enough. All right, let's. Uh, this is a great one here from Alex. 
Alex asks, what creature from the Zelda games would you most want to keep as a pet? I feel like the answer is obvious here, Allison, but what is your answer? Um, <laughs> I well, <laughs> this is actually kind of hard, but I might say a Kikwi because I've already had a hedgehog and Kikwis, I, like I seriously was going to name my hedgehog uh, Machi at one point, but um, I just feel like they're the same as hedgehogs and I would l like to have one like knee length running around. I think it'd be super cute. Uh, that would be cute, but the answer is Barkle, right? Oh. I mean, it's got to be Barkle. <laughs> I mean, little pup. I don't know about Barkle yet. I mean, I know about Barkle, but not not to the extent that you do. However, I feel like I'm going to learn about Barkle. Uh, not yet. You're going to know Barkle. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, he's actually kind of a periphery character, but I mean, he's he's so cute. Look at his little, look at his little gimmick he's got on his head. Little tingle outfit. It's it's adorable. Adorable. Good stuff. Um, okay, this is a good, this is an interesting one, actually, from Ryan. Do you prefer simpler or more involved combat in Legend of Zelda? And obviously, this is kind of inferring what Skyward Sword does with, like, it's really kind of involved motion control combat. Um, but even, like, some of the hidden skills in, um, in Twilight Princess and, to a lesser extent, Wind Waker. I actually, I, I think that I'm kind of, like, somewhere in the middle. Where, like, I, I do like it to be simple, there are times playing Skyward Sword when it's like, oh, I just want to chop this guy and, and just press A to do this, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I wouldn't say that I would pick that for all Zelda games. Um, I think that, but on the on the flip side of that, I always think of, you know, in um, Twilight Princess when you're just kind of like wigwagging your Wii mode around and you're just like flimsy jimsy swinging your sword and, and it's like, man, this sucks. Like, this isn't anything like... <laughs> like what I think it should be like. So there's that. I actually think that um, the Minish Cap does combat really well because it's like that simple 2D style combat, but then like you can integrate your items in like your, your rocks feather, rocks cape into how you fight and like you can get all the hidden skills and stuff like that. So I think that's a great example of 2D combat. Um, maybe for 3D, I would, I would lean just a smidgel more towards simpler. Even though I, even though I love... Uh, Skyward Sword, I think that simpler is, is sometimes just a little bit better. Um, just especially in like the heat of the moment when you're doing things. I mean, I guess it depends, but I, I feel like gun to my head, I, I pick, I would edge a little bit more towards the simpler side rather than super involved. What say you? Um, I, I, I feel like I have a very specific answer. So I, I really like, I just sit in the middle between like Wind Waker for simple and Skyward Sword for difficult and more involved. Um, for minor enemies like vocal blends and stuff i would love to have something more like wind waker because it's so smooth and like it's just it's so it's easy and it's smooth and it flows really well whereas in mm -hmm. skyward sword you're fighting a vocal blend and you're just and they know exactly where to block every time and it's super frustrating because you just want to to kill this vocal blend however when you're fighting bosses and like big enemies or mini bosses or anything of the like i really like the involvement that skyward sword has because you have to figure out how to move your sword pretty precisely to defeat these enemies and, I, and same with the items so i really like that because it makes it feel like you are in that boss fight whereas if i'm just trying to get from point a to point b and there's vocal blends in my way i just want to kind of dash through them and chop them up really fast like you do in wind waker yeah that's uh that's a good way to put it actually i, I for for simple enemies simple combat but for intricate enemies intricate combat yeah I feel like that's a good way to put it. All right, let's end on this one here. 
Uh, Ryan asks, what Zelda game do you think deserves to be played more than once? All of them, <laughs> I would say. All of them deserve to be played more than once, except for Triforce Aww. Heroes. That doesn't deserve to be played at all. Oh, Andy. I, I'm going to volunteer you for Triforce Heroes next year at the marathon. You're going to have to play it. <laughs> I've played Triforce Heroes for the last two years at the marathon. It sucks. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I would agree that, you know, all of them deserve to be played more than once. <clears throat> uh, they all have... A, a sense of replayability and I think it just really depends on the person because obviously I'm not going to play uh, Adventure of Link m more than I have um, but I think that there's something in each game for everybody so it really just depends on you as the person and how you feel about the these games if you like 2D more, if you like 3D more, if you like story more, if you just like hacking and slashing and just going from dungeon to dungeon and solving the puzzles more, it's really up to you. But I feel like every game has a solid replayability um, that, you know, like it's enjoyable more than one time through. Yep, I agree. It's like... There's always something that you can learn the second time that you didn't see the first. And that's true of video games, it's true of movies, it's true of reading a book, whatever. Um, there's always something that you can pick up the second time. So I think that uh, I think that all of uh, the games should be played a couple times. But that's just me. I just love playing Zelda games. So there you go. Um, we hope that you guys love listening to this show. This is going to be, uh, this is gonna be the last time I'm going to be here for a little while. I'm taking a little sabbatical for the next couple weeks. And I'm excited for that, but I'm... I'm going to miss doing these shows with you for the next couple weeks, Al. Yeah, I'll, I'll miss you too, but I, I'm super excited for you and your adventure coming up, and so we'll hold the fort until you get back. There we go. Well, we uh, we want you to check out a few things before you head on out of here. First and foremost, we want you to check out the Zelda Dungeon Etsy merch store. I got my Talus Gym shirt, my Spateri 316 shirt, my Champions Cast hoodie, and my Gooey Fame shirt. They all fit awesome, and they all look like a million bucks, and now you can have those shirts too. Zelda Dungeon Etsy store and uh, you can you can go and check that stuff out and uh, you can check us out over on Twitter at Spateri316 at Allison Aletha and talk to us over on Discord the Champions Cast Discord uh, we want you to head on over as well to Spotify, iTunes Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts like, subscribe, recommend us to that Zelda fan in your life until well, not, no, not until next week until next month uh, I will see everybody then. Take care, guys.